Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Are we last on your press list? You're last for the day, but not for the... Okay. Oh, God. Okay. I, as long as no, I know this good. feeling. Eric, God, have damn. a drink. Smoke a blood. Relax. This is it. <laughs> yeah, I, I might take one, too. Supreme. I want to be, be like Sugar Steve. Like, that's the vibe I'm trying to... <laughs> no problem. Wow. Well, he's already high, so... No one ever said that, ever. <laughs> Shit, I might as well join y'all. I'll be right back. Oh, my yeah. God. Thank you. I'm going to cry. Uh, flowers. <laughs> flowers is getting high. What the I'm fuck is to... happening? Oh, <laughs> I know, Laia, keep it together. <laughs> Shit. Please don't do that. <laughs> please please don't eat do a bunch that. of mushrooms. Are you eating no, mushrooms? Really about to be fun. What is your method? I don't even know. Is it a J? Is it a bowl? I'm trying to guess it. I guess a bowl. I feel I look at your head. No, he I just, think it's a bowl. Hold on, he just ate something. what do you eat, Marvin Gaye? You got an edible. I got a no, um, gummy. <laughs> uh, uh, edible. I have a hundred uh joint. I don't wow. know. My challenge is going up. Milligram? Yeah. Oh, my challenge is going up though. Quest Love Supreme exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. My, my, my days of, of, of virgin alcohol uh, edibles are over. Eric, right, we've wait. done this show a hundred times. And I can't, Quest I can't Love do the introduction without four. Wait, you just I ate a gummy? Inter- he just ate yes, a gummy. This is the first time ever. It's a big moment. It's a big moment. Never been moment. high with Quest Love Supreme Only, in the last Y'all, we already discussed that. I've been doing this for like a year now. But not this is like my show. anniversary. All right. Not on the show. Not on the show, though. Not on the show. That is the one. Not to my knowledge. That's the one drug. I just want to hug you if you was vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, this is a uh, another episode. It's already kicked in, maybe. This is uh, Questlove Supreme <laughs> with Questlove. Uh, that's my mm-hmm. name. And uh, Fonte's laughing already. Anyway, um, we have Team Supreme with us. Laia, congratulations. Uh, uh, on. Oh, well, you, you got your second shot. I'm congratulating people that got their shots already. I did. Oh. It felt really good. I'll stay tuned and see how sick I feel tomorrow. But thank you. Don't don't manif don't manifest or right, manif manifest anything. You're right. You're gonna you're gonna get through this unscathed. Unscathed. Yeah. It's gonna be a beautiful uh, experience. 
Which, which one do you get? You got the Pfizer or the Moderna? The which one you got, get? Got the old head. Got the OG. You got the Pfizer. Uh, okay. I did funky cold Moderna. Oh, funky cold Moderna. Eighty percent, bruh. You eighty percent covered. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know, I, I, I should be there. I think anything other than that AstraZeneca, that's the only one that's a little janky. And that ain't allowed. That ain't allowed. That's illegal. You talking illegal stuff in, now? In Ireland, they don't do that shit. Yeah, they don't. How, how's it going, Bill? Fucking a. I'm great. Uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, it's great. I don't have any more Muppets. To... More, yeah. Today was a Muppet day. I wrote a jingle. I uh, worked out a little bit. I uh, oh oh, my kids are going back to school next week, so I had to watch uh, a video about uh, uh, the safety protocols for going back to school. That was the big thing that happened. So this is the first time they're going back to school in a year. Correct, and they're terrified and excited at the same time. From one to ten, how happy are you right now? Sixty-seven thousand. I got you. All right, like, Sugar Steve, <laughs> how's it going, man? I, I see. I seen uh, you. You. You upped your uh, uh, your logo and and you got tags on your on your on your network right now. I'm impressed. Who, who's doing this stuff for you? I don't know what you're talking about. You're high right now, right? The drugs <laughs> have kicked in. That's regular. Um, you're talking about we just got some. Yeah, we got some exciting new graphics happening on the network. Yeah, um, I was I was borderline jealous. I was like, you you now have graphics. Can yeah, you let like, the world know sh- you got a new record? Can you let the world know about that? Please, I'm sorry. Uh, no, well, I'd rather answer the question I was asked. But, oh, um, fuck you then. Plug your record, Steve. Stop playing. Record uh, store days upon us. Yeah, it's not official yet, so I'm, I can't, I'm not saying anything. It's Eric Baskin. Well, you're the most under-promoting celebrity I know. Like, celebrity? Calm down. I, I, I want to promote the, the graphics guys <laughs> from my network. It's at Beat Knock and at Zahir1974. Okay, well, I'm very proud that you know you, yeah. you upped your game and you have network a strong, game. baby. Network tight. Network is strong. Fontigolo, how's it going? I'm good, brother. Still uh, laying low, staying out of white people's business. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm I mean, cool. Winning. I see. It. Staying out of white people's business. That's good luck with that. That should be our news. Should I? Should I? No, he's getting to no, you. No, no. Okay. <laughs> For say- God's sakes, do not talk, please, guess. <laughs> do, you, do you feel like you're on your own show right now, uh, Eric? Okay. Anyway, all right. So let me. I'm. I'm winging this now. Oh, there's a um, guest. Shit. All right. Yeah. Let's get to the guest. Our our guest today is an extraordinary gentleman of uh, many talents. Uh, oh he's no. Done it all. You, uh-uh. Oh. Uh-uh. uh-uh. That his, way. His film credits. <laughs> What are you doing, Eric? <laughs> We're not even on video. Uh, he, We're going to have to be now. We're going to have to. Oh show. God! Now, now I wish this episode was on. He, he's acting. He's acting a full on 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 Zoom, ladies and gentlemen. Uyakasha, wag one. Yeah. So his, his film credits include uh, my my personal favorite movie, which is uh, The Invention of Lying, uh, The Intern with De Niro, uh, the cult classic Pop Star. Uh, with Andy Samberg and shall I say a very very talented drummer producer renaissance man uh, he also played uh, ZZ in the Lion King the live uh, action version and his TV credits are all the classic suspects like Kirby Enthusiasm uh, Big Bang Theory help me out y'all uh, oh uh, my favorite that got cut too soon uh, everything don't trust the being 23 I'm taking my yes career <laughs> one line at a time <laughs> no, I'm serious. You, you've done the classics. Two good girls. All that other stuff is a, a embarrassment. No, it's not. Take your take your flowers. We're giving flowers on the show. 
Take your flowers. Welcome to take, Botany School. Take, take your flowers. Take, yeah. I'll take, I will take all the flowers. Anyway, me. Robot Chicken, Man, uh, man Secret Woman, uh, Lucas Brothers Moving Company, with, with shall I say, uh, the same very talented drummer, producer, Renaissance guy. And speaking of that, that, uh, that great gentleman, I will say that's probably he is best known uh, as the host of the insanely classic stoner talk show. Comedy Central, correct? Adult Swim, no. Uh-huh. Adult Swim. Adult Swim Incorrect. is its own. Okay, I didn't know that because oh, I get it. At a certain time, it turns into Adult Swim. Come on, we tied this conversation. Cartoon Network. Well, Adult know? Swim is Cartoon Network, yeah. I mean, but if it's Electric Blue, it's still the Playboy channel. Like, I didn't know it was a subsidiary. So. <laughs> wow. That's a deep cut. Deep cut. That is a my, deep my. cut. Anyone over the age of 40 is dying right now at that, at that <laughs> reference. Because we've all been there with our hand on the remote control. Absolutely. Buses in the room. Robin Bird. <laughs> Where are you, Robin Bird? <laughs> Maybe this gummy was a bad idea. Anyway, Robin, yeah. that. Can we get Robin on the show? Great idea. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is the guest? Like, all right, I, I will get to it. Anyway, on his shows on Adult Swim, the Eric Andre show. Um, I would like to personally say that Animal Burris. Who is it? Oh, that I I will point that if there was a paradigm shift in my twenty-seven year career, you know, I mean, there's been Grammys, there's been associations with Jay Z. Even when in Sundance, no. I will say that as I live and breathe, I will testify that no cameo that I've ever done in my 27 years uh, in this business has given me more bang for my buck did a show? than my appearance on this man's show. Yeah, for, there is not, no, seriously, there's not a day that goes by where some damn Gen Z warns me that I'm not in the house. <laughs> And I hate it. I love you for it, but I hate it. Like I will do, I will do ob- like serious obituary posts on Instagram, and there's always some little runt born in like 1998 that wants to remind me that. I- anyway, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Eric Andre to the show. Well, that, that one episode will haunt you for the rest of your career. I like that. I, that, that makes me proud. I, yo, I don't even know how you did it, but literally. Yes, that that has been the last three to four. Was it three, four years ago? Incredible. Yeah, I. I like that. I'm haunting you from beyond the grave. Somewhere between two to about twenty people a day tell me I'm not. In the house. <laughs> That's so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. I, yeah, I don't know the power you have over these people, but you know. So right now, you okay? You just informed us at the top of the show that you've been doing press. Uh, I got a movie coming out on Netflix, March twenty sixth. Okay, yes, yeah, so we never promote at the top. So Lil Rel and uh, Tiffany Haddish got a prank movie coming out that we made with the Jackass producers. Wow, my producers, uh, all hidden camera pranks, bad trip. It's called next, not this Friday, next Friday. No, actually, okay. yeah, it's already out because this is. It's all yes. Oh, okay. First well, week of it's out. It's a hit. It's, it's bad trip. You you've broken records already. Yes, it's it's out already. All right. The thing is, is that as a human, I don't know you your story that well, but I I do want to jump to the end and just ask. The the idea of the the prank show, like how do you how do you even strategize that? After like two or three years out of it, 
because you're a pretty recognizable figure in you know in are, are you asking how how did I do the fifth season a few years after the fourth season and disguise myself? Well, no, no, no. I just meant like yes. What what's what's the actual rhythm? Because now you're well known, so it's I think it's harder to prank people. It's hard to it's hard, but not impossible. It's uh for the fifth season of the show, I got rid of all my body hair, so I bicked my head bald, and then I got rid of my facial hair, and I waxed my grundle and I, uh, I gained weight <laughs> for the people <laughs> you really committed to this shit. yeah and I, I gained a bunch of weight i bleached my teeth i i did a whole body transformation with all that weight gained and the hair gone i i looked like i owned a bodega in washington heights yes yeah, so you looked a little tan yeah a little tan <laughs> <laughs> Wait, when did when did you shoot the the fifth season? In Amsterdam specifically, and uh, so it was kind of like a almost like a Sasha Baron Cohen approach, where the right disguise will hide your identity. Because he was able to do Bruno after he did Borat, and then he did Borat again. So like, really, just kind of hiding in broad daylight. For the, for the movie as well, we had to hide Tiffany Haddish um, and Rel. But Rel's kind of a chameleon. You put on the right outfit and he kind of disappears. And Tiffany, Tiffany, we gave her like face tattoos and cornrows and all this stuff. And still nobody figured it out. Some people, no, people still, I mean, diehard fans are always going to figure it out. But we, we just knew what demographic to avoid. And basically, we didn't prank uh, anybody under 30. Everybody we prank in the movie is like 45 plus. Like a lot, a lot of like, Exhausted moms in the movie. <laughs> having done this, having done this for a, you know for almost a, a decade, in your experience, well, one has this ever gone wrong, like extremely wrong, where you're like, I'm never doing this again. The first day of filming, Rel and I got a knife pulled out on us. That was the very first wow. prank Rel ever filmed. That's so, just said y'all were screening was people there. Y'all didn't demo. Well, uh, we we demo, I guess. I mean, the demo was uh, resulted in a knife being pulled out on us. I guess. <laughs> so, how far will you take it before you break to let said uh, prank victim know that you know this is for entertainment? Uh, well, I don't want to get murdered, so I'm probably like before uh, m- murder, <laughs> <laughs> before the murder happens. So, so how did can you tell us how that went? Like, so he put the person pulls the knife out, and then yeah, it's in the it's in the movie. Okay, uh, well, yeah, I, well, I, I, I don't I, want I don't want you to give the movie away, I but I just meant in general, movie. like with your show, like yeah, sometimes people get upset. Sometimes people get upset, yeah. and you kind of want to bring them to the point where they're about to commit kill you homicide, <laughs> but then stop so, right before and then bend their mind. <laughs> Is that, and that's the perp, That's the whole point of the show, like to get them right to that point. I don't want to. I mean, it's not about making people angry. It's about distorting their reality and blowing their minds. So it's about uh, adding absurdity and surreality into everyday reality. I I love it. Thanks, okay. man. I always wanted to know that. So yeah, the, um, the prank that got us in trouble. Me and there's a prank. There's a scene in the movie where. Uh, Rel and I, uh, my character, Rel's character, we did a bunch of drugs by mistake, 
we drugged ourselves accidentally and then we 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 pass out we fall unconscious and we wake up in a park and our dicks are stuck together in a chinese finger trap so then and it's all hidden camera pranks with real people so our dicks are stuck in the Chinese finger trap. We're like, help, help, get us out of here. Help, help. We're running. We ran up to a golfer for help. And then we went, we shot a lot of it in Atlanta. And we went to this like real hood barber shop in Atlanta. No, no. And we went in with our dicks in the Chinese finger trap. And we went to the guy. We're like, eh, excuse oh, wow. me. Wow. It was like giving it a guy a haircut, like mid fade. And we went to the barber. And we go, <laughs> uh, uh, can we borrow your scissors? Can you cut us out of this thing? It really hurts. And the guy went, oh, hell no, and like <laughs> reached for his gun, couldn't find his gun, grabbed his knife, and then he chases out of the barbershop with a knife. And me and Rel could barely, it's a prosthetic, but it looks real. And me and Rel can barely run in the thing. We're like, ah! Thing snapped. Rel like rolled under a parked car. I ran for my life. And I looked at my security guy who looked like Blade. Like, like without the sword. He looked like Wesley Snipes in the first Blade movie. So I'm looking at him like, call the bit, call the bit. And he jumped like Dragon Ball Z. Like, <laughs> and like stopped the guy and did like a weird judo chop. Like, got the knife out of his hand. And then we told the guy, we're like, it's a hidden camera prank. And he was like, Oh, y'all are hilarious. <laughs> like, sign, the <laughs> sign the release. No, like, with no hesitation. He was like, when's this movie come out, man? <laughs> oh, love and Shit. And then because of that, Rel quit the movie. This is the first day of filming. He's like, I quit. I got kids. I don't want to be killed. And then he called his agent. He's like, I quit. Eric's going to get me killed. Then he called Tiffany Haddish just to vent. He goes, I'm doing this Eric Andre prank movie. He's going to get me killed. We got a knife pulled out on us. I can't handle this shit. It's too stressful. Tiffany starts dying laughing. She wasn't in the movie at this point. She hung up with Rel. She called me a few minutes later. <laughs> goes, Yo, you almost got Rel killed? And I was like, yeah, don't tell anybody. And she's like, no, fuck that. That shit's hilarious. I live for that shit. I want to be here. <laughs> I was like, what? I, I was like, and, we and the woman that was supposed to play her role just had dropped out because of a scheduling conflict. So Tiffany's like, I want to be in your movie. And I was like, your wish is my command. And she was incredible in the movie. Like, she lives for that prank shit. She yeah. loves the danger and all the, the stuff I love. She about does. It. So um, anyway, that's my story. She does. How do, you, how do you prepare? Like, is there a script reading? Do you guys do? Yeah, so we. Not choreography. So but... the, show, the movie, we, uh, you need a story. So we wrote, like, a, a, a outline of the story. And then. All the pranks have to have a narrative thread. Like we're literally getting plot points from real people who weren't even aware they were in a movie. So we're like going up to people and putting them in these high stress situations, but then also mining plot out of them. So there is a script kind of, it's like an outline because mm -hmm. you have to be able to improvise within that outline because obviously you're working with real people who aren't even aware they're being filmed. So. It's like even broader than what they say the Curb Your Enthusiasm outline is, I would assume. Yeah, it's like, you know, how, how Sasha Baron Cohen or, or the Jackass guys kind of do it, where you go in with like an idea, a premise, but then once you're filming, you don't know anything goes because you got real people interacting with you. So you don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. How, how yeah. many people do you collaborate with you to, to make these, to write, to create these, these situations? Like, oh, if you bring oh, them over from uh, the Eric Andre show to... Yeah, a lot of like we brought, 
you know, we were working with Jeff Tremaine, who, who directed all the Jackass movies. So he, he was our, like, mentor through the whole process. So we brought in, like, people that wrote for Jackass. Uh, and Sasha Baron Cohen helped us. So we, we, we brought in some of his writers and some people from Punked. So it was, like, all the prank, great prank oh, wow. and all their writers, like, coming in, helping us with all, their, our, all our problem solving and, and all the issues we were facing. And... Uh, you know, Rel and Tiffany brought a lot of value. My team for my show brought a lot of value and, and uh, ideas to the table. So it was a, it's a big collaborative effort. I see. Eric, where were you born? Born in Miami, Florida. Grew up in Boca Raton, Florida. Oh. Yeah. This is where your entire family's from. My dad's from Haiti and my mom's from Manhattan. Oh, I was so ready so to what, talk Were about you it. the only child or? No, I have an older sister who was born in Queens. Okay. okay. So you said something to me on the set once. Did, uh, did I hear you correctly? You told me that you went to Berkeley. Yeah. School I went of Music. And yeah, I'm for, assuming that you meant the Boston one, not the one in the, the Bay Boston, Area. I think at yeah. the time I thought you meant the Bay Area, but then I realized if a person's telling me they went to Berkeley, they're obviously trying to tell me. Musicianship. They're not like, yeah, man. Social studies. I <laughs> no, I uh, yeah, I played upright bass in college. That was my principal instrument in college. Oh, really? Yeah. So you you were considering a career in jazz or like? I was con- I was considering a long, hard career in jazz, which really. So, uh, like, can you play Portrait of Tracy? Like, for me, for bass players, <laughs> Jaco Pastores is, or either Teen Town or Portrait of Tracy is like what uh, Stairway to Heaven is for guitar players when they enter the guitar center. Like, right. they have to play it. Jaco like, was electric, so I was always trying those to. Those are electric bass players. That's, that's I was, yeah, I was always trying to figure out, like, Mingus bass lines. Charlie Hayden, Scott Lavaro, mm. those, those like upright players, you know. Okay. Mingus, uh, 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 Black Saint and the Sinner Lady. That I album. See. That album is the most musical. And like Sun Ra, his bass player had a lot of good bass lines. Wait, guys, did I ever let you in on um, a factoid that Christian McBride dropped on me about, uh, about, um, Ron Carter? No, go. It's weird to say this because he's still living. I don't want I don't want no smoke from Ron Carter, but <laughs> I'm I'm slowly uh discovering in the jazz world that Ron's uh solo abilities are not that desired in the jazz community. Oh. Which most jazz guys, when they look at what hip hop chooses to sample from it. Like, the number one mystery of all time is, like, how in the hell... Like, according to them, that bass solo is so horrible on that McCoy Tyner <laughs> song that winds up giving us the, the choice is yours bass line for Black Sheep that that's, like, the, that's the main thing that most jazz bass players bring up to me. Like... Ah, oh, they're haters. Come on, Rock solo was, a legend. No, I mean, no, 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 no. He's a legend, but he's a timekeeper. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that he was not considered a good soloist. 
And they're like, well, the evidence is that Miles Davis has never given him a solo on any of his records. But the tone of his bass. No, and, I know. He's, and his bass lines were very sampleable. I, I get it. So, you know, Ron Carter is probably. Not, not only have we lost the audience, we've lost all your co-stars with. No, 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 no. This is Questlove's Supreme, dude. We, Ron Carter this also is had what a, we do. a style named after him. Not what just happened was that. the whole audience also just went, just went and looked up about five songs and some albums. But <laughs> <laughs> that's Questlove Supreme. So who, who, who's your, who's your, well, besides Mingus, like who was your, wait, what year did you go to Berkeley? I graduated 2005, 2004. Uh, any notable people with you at the time when you were going to school? Like who, who's notable now that you? Uh, Esperanza and St. Vincent. Ah, oh, nice. man. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Shit. I think, well, my bass player, uh, I believe, was there at that time. If St. Vincent was there, then Mark, Mark Kelly was there, my bass player in the Roots. He was Mark there at the Kelly. time. I would have been in class with him. There's only like 10 of us. Do you remember Mark Kelly? Maybe Mark just laughed. I don't remember, I don't remember most of college. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. It's all a blur. <laughs> it is all a blur. All a dizzy yep. blur. That's funny. I was going to ask you, when did life become a blur? Because we didn't, we didn't talk about it a little earlier in life, but not for I was like, I wonder what kind of kid Eric was. Like, were you a shy kid? I was bad. I was so hyper. I was real because my sister was so calm and sweet and docile. And my mom was like, yeah, motherhood's easy. I'm going to have one more kid. And then I was a nightmare. I was That's so- what happens. <laughs> Fucking disaster. Second child, man. <laughs> Fuck all that. Hey, you stop saying that, Bill. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you, when this is all over and you meet my second child, your daughter, we'll talk your about daughter's, wait, but your wait, daughter's going to be 24 years old asking us for the master uh, reels of all these episodes. QLS. <laughs> she's going to be scarred regardless. Who cares? <laughs> just but wait, but here's the thing, though. I bet you got it better because what's a what's a Eric Andre disaster as a kid? Like what kind of what do you mean when you say like disaster? I was just always getting d- detentions and suspension. I got good grades. I got like, you know, A's and B's, but I, I was not well behaved in class. I was very hyper. So like, but you didn't you set know, the house on fire or anything, right? Nah, but you know, I got suspended for mooning my friends. I got suspended for going to school barefoot. I got, I like would, <laughs> would like bash my head what? through the. Remember that like the fire hose thing where you had to like only break break in case of emergency. Break case of emergency. I yeah. would I would break those. <laughs> I would like bust my head through them all the time. <laughs> so you were basically like, just preparing for what you do now. Yeah, like and just been on an amateur level, not getting paid for wow. it. Wow! So you're pulling the fire alarm. <laughs> I was like fucking. I was just like any way to get in trouble in high school. I was like, yes, that's how. That's how I get in trouble today. You live in a dream. That's dope. <laughs> have like what of your and this was in high school, elementary and high school. Yeah, it got worse as I got older. Definitely, like when hormones kicked in in middle school. And I, I knew I could get the pretty girl's attention by acting out and misbehaving. Then it was all over. Then I was <laughs> put my head through glass and just like <laughs> put a lighter up to the fucking the little like sprinkler system. <laughs> I would I would think that a you know a bass solo could work that like you being in a band would have worked that trick out not like 
<laughs> no, nah, my dare, band, every band. Let me I was daredevil sucked. my way into your heart. Yeah, no, every band I was in sucked. So I had to, I had to use different tactics to get attention. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fonsigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. After you graduated uh, Berkeley, what what started your, I guess, your full commitment into comedy? I kind of retired from music on the same day I graduated from Berkeley. I was like, well, that's, that's no future for me. And then I started doing comedy as I was finishing college in Boston. And I just moved to New York City right afterwards and uh, just continued doing, like, stand-up. I mean, it was humble beginnings. I was just doing chicken shit, open mics for... Yeah decade 
before anybody paid attention or I got any money for it. But oh wow! But so yeah, you pounded the pavement mostly in New York City for your comedy chops. Yeah. Okay, so can you, besides, uh, I guess Wyatt, who, I guess you could sort of say he has one foot in like alt comedy and traditional comedy. Can you explain, not the parameters, but just like how New York City operates as a comedy testing ground? Like, is Brooklyn strictly just for alternative comedy? And what does that really encompass? I don't know. And it's never, I never liked that term. It's too, like, Neo Soul. <laughs> yeah. it's like neo soul it's like neo soul <laughs> yeah it's but like i mean you do agree that i mean at least from my observation like i would think that the 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 mecca or the epicenter would be the comedy seller like because the thing is comedians will have to work out their material somewhere so usually like the seinfelds and the and the hearts and the rocks and whoever is the name it like they will work out at the comedy seller yet you know when i go sort of north of 23rd street then usually that's where i'll see i mean i i wouldn't know a a a, a consistent vegas name now but like whoever whoever the i'm really dating myself with this uh reference the david brenner of whoever now is like that Vegas comedian usually works out. I know what you're talking about. Like you're talking about the difference between like a mainstream or an alternative, you know, right. I think, I think you can get in a rut if you only play show you want to, you don't want to get in a comfort. You want to stay out of your comfort zone when you do stand up. So you don't want to do any crowd that's already on. Like you don't get used to only performing for crowds that are already on your side. You want to kind of mm-hmm. go and, play for crowds that don't know you or are more objective that's how you um sustain your comedy muscles so I where would you work out some of those alternative rooms they get a little too inside jokey you want to really like have to prove yourself every time because then by the time you film your special your materials is like flawless you perform for every cross-section of america and and you know even international audiences right so where would where would you uh, work out when you were uh, working on your chops? I was I hit the road. I did uh, I did eighty. I used to know the number eighty seven shows in forty nine cities internationally. Shit, nationally and internationally, something like that in a year in in, in two thousand nineteen. So then I t- taped my special at the end of 2019 and aired it 2020 on Netflix. But, uh, yeah, it was like I tried to do every city in America and a bunch of cities abroad. About your your, your stand-up, uh, your special, which I love, by the way. Like, right. I, I thought that shit was brilliant, man. Like, right. no, no bullshit. The last bit that you do, the fucking FaceTime <laughs> call. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. yeah. Dude. <laughs> Dude. And that was incredible. How, that how do you set that, that up? Like, <laughs> That was like pennies from heaven. She, like, brought up weed. She brought up, like, different topics that I discussed. <laughs> I mean, I did it. I filmed it a few times with a few different moms. We filmed two shows, and each show I did, like, two or three moms per show until we got that mom, and she was clearly the best mm-hmm. one. But, yeah, she was amazing. She was giving me her credit card information and shit. She was fucking wild. <laughs> nah, that's I was how many times you went through that before 
I thought that was like a one time only. No, I did it every night on tour. I would prank a mom at the end of my, that was always my closer on tour. So I had that bit down to a science, even though it's like a prank, essentially, you know. Was she the best of them? There was, there were some moms on tour that were fucking wild saying heinous shit and just like (laughs) no filter. She, she, She was up there, but like there was definitely some lightning in the bottle. Lightning in a bottle moms. Like in Oakland, we had the crazy mom doing drugs on camera. There was one mom, I was like in Possum Ridge, Arkansas or somewhere, real like backwoods kind of place. And the mom and the dad picked up and just like stared at me. Like they were very like MAGA adjacent, just like staring me. <laughs> <up and down. laughs> Violence. Like, and, I'm like, and I'm fucking with them. I'm like, send me 20,000 in Bitcoin if you want to see your son alive again. <laughs> <laughs> Dad was like shirtless, and he looked like uh, uh, he was on a like a real life version of King of the Hill. Like he was just like stone silence. But those were just like lightning in a bottle performances. That so wait, so that means that you did that other bit. I'm sorry, but the other bit that you do when you uh, go to the audience and ask them have they seen um, their parents have sex or whatever. Oh, like, that 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 so- I didn't that I did like uh a version of without the the fake parents on stage. I would just like ask, do audience participation stuff, but I'm not the for the special we cast to. I was like, yeah, how much does that get get pay, pay for two sixty something? I mean, everything I put out in the last year and a half has been during quarantine, so I'm like, I, I haven't gotten any like personal feedback i haven't interacted with anybody so i'm like did anybody watch a special did anybody watch it? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm only like sucked into the internet but like it doesn't feel real because i've just been like putting stuff out no so let me ask you then pandemic. since you talk about the stand-up then let me, i'm sorry one more question because it, in the beginning the first thing you kind of talk about like you hit like the, the coke the meth hard and it was funny because i was like damn I, I know i'm progressive as fuck but this is like i was like is this the new normal where we are like normalizing the fuck out of a meth and coke like this. I, it was just, it was ill to me. And I was like, I can't wait to talk to you about it. Cause I was like, am, am I getting old? Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> so, you gotta understand. I'm, I'm, I wanna, how do I say this without sounding preaching? All drugs were legal until 1914. Yes, 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 mm-hmm. yes. Gosh, where do I begin? Also, first of all, if we decriminalize all drugs, would anybody on this Zoom like go out and smoke crack and shoot absolutely heroin. not hell no five minutes if it was legal no, no. no. Oh, wait a minute Jack, Jack did, well maybe okay. <laughs> uh, Jack Daniels is legal right would any yeah. of us tonight go to Rite Aid buy 70 bottles of Jack Daniel and just drink them top to bottom right uh, <laughs> no, right because we wouldn't feel good we exercise common sense the war on drugs, the best meme I saw was the war on drugs is my favorite war because drugs won. Uh, Clearly. <laughs> look, I think there's a difference between drug use and drug abuse. I think we've been fed so much propaganda by our government and the DEA was only put in place by Nixon. It's all yeah. just a way to uh, yeah. arrest brown and black people. Fill, overcrowd our prisons with brown and black bodies. White people and, drug, and black people do drugs at the same rate, yet that, that black people are arrested five times 
as, as much as any anyway, suburban white kid. It's all based on the war on drugs is all based on classism and racism. And it always has been. The opium wars, and so, okay, we're getting to 1914. How do I not turn this into a TED Talk? Dude, nah, let's go, let's go. Yeah, nah, this, go this, in, what we, go this is what we're here for. Okay. The, I wanted the, this. I wanted the less Amir talks, the better the show. Go. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Bill. Okay. <laughs> basically, basically, all drug propaganda that was really rubbed up with Nixon and Reagan, all anti-drug propaganda. Like, there was a prohibition on alcohol, and that failed miserably. The the prohibition on drugs that's about 106 years old is the same exact thing. It's all based on control. It has nothing to do with your safety. I mean, more people die from motorcycle accidents than ecstasy. Um, Very few people die from ecstasy. No one's died from marijuana. No one's died from LSD or or shrooms or whatever. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, shrooms. So the government doesn't give a fuck about your safety. And if they're pretending they give a fuck about your safety, it's 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 make believe. Um, clearly, because uh, guns are legal and um, marijuana is illegal <laughs> federally. So, uh, right. God, so basically in nineteen fourteen, all right, we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, I think basically I just realized that I'm, I'm a Chinese marijuana. immigrants coming to America, coming okay. to the West Coast. So we Chinese immigrants and Chinese immigrants brought a lot of opium to America. Mm-hmm. So a lot of politicians started running against putting putting a prohibition on opium, which there was a problem with opium and it is addictive. But part of it was a xenophobic policy. white folk. Will, yeah, white folk wouldn't get no money off that shit. Yes, <laughs> it's all about money and control. So Chinese right. people were bringing in opium and profiting from opium, and uh, so some of the earliest uh, anti-drug prohibition uh, policies were anti-Chinese. Marijuana was associated as a Mexican drug. Marijuana prohibition was associated was was Mexican xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the eighties, there was some statistic. It was like five grams of crack is the same jail time as fifty grams of cocaine. Mm-hmm. Guess who was smoking crack in the eighties, and guess who was doing cocaine? Suburban Bingo. white kids not right. black people in the inner city. So whenever there's a popular inner city drug that black people or poor people, even crystal meth, crystal meth's associated with you're losing your teeth, you got scabs mm-hmm. on your face. Is that not true? But, but Adderall, done by suburban white teenagers for their SATs, that's fine. However, methamphetamine and Adderall, which is amphetamine, is one molecule mm-hmm. different. It's essentially the same drug. PC, Wait, that's the same as here. No, it's the same thing as uh like no, nah, that's facts because it's the same thing as uh like um like heroin and all these like hydrocodone and yeah, like, all I, the shit the prescription. Bro, thing, but, but my son had to get his uh, wisdom teeth pulled and they prescribed him hydrocodone. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yo, he ain't taking this shit. Like he ibuprofen, ibuprofen, he can do Tylenol. He'll be cool. Like yeah. I'm like giving a fifteen year old a fucking like, are you shitting me? Like nah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So damn PCP. AKA angel dust is a disassociative. Ketamine is a disassociative. Poor people, black people do angel dust, so it's illegal. But now there's ketamine clinics because suburban white moms are are doing ketamine for depression. Uh, 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 all, yeah, hydrocodone and all opiates. It's like there's a Chris Rock joke. 
The government doesn't want you to do your drugs. The government wants you to do their drugs. Their drugs. <laughs> and they're doing that shit now because that's the next move. That, like weed, I think weed being legal, that's a foregone conclusion. I mean, that's coming. The next shit they're moving into is shrooms and like LSD because they're using that to treat shit like bipolar disorder and um all kind of like like OCD, like yeah, you know any kind. Of, they're they're doing that shit now. That anxiety, the whole nine. Yeah. That's the next shit. So I guess that's my point. There are, is therapeutic value to so many drugs that the DEA has made illegal. And the war on drugs has only helped two groups, the drug cartels in Central and South America that are violent and the DEA. Everybody else suffers. We all have a natural inclination to to reach altered states. Caffeine is a drug. Nicotine is a drug. Alcohol is a drug. Oh, sugar, Those honey. Legal huh. drugs. Alcohol is way more addictive and corrosive yeah. than marijuana or any psychedelics. Nicotine is way more addictive than any drug, more addictive than heroin and cocaine, but it's legal. So there's no rhyme or reason to it. The majority of people that use drugs just use it for recreation and to, and to achieve an altered state for whatever, for social bonding, for creativity. The majority of us don't get addicted to these drugs even heroin users they say 80 percent of people that have tried heroin aren't addicted only 20 percent. so what we do in this country and what we did with alcohol prohibition which failed miserably is we penalize everyone for uh like a small select few that are addicted drug abuse is an issue and i'm not saying we shouldn't do drugs responsibly but just like skiing you can die skiing. <laughs> if you ski responsibly, you won't ski into a tree, hopefully. If you ride a motorcycle responsibly, if you drive a car responsibly, you won't die. You can fall in front of the subway train for being reckless and, and die. So it's it's about, um, I don't know. These no, are- you know, you gave it to me. I knew you was going, it's exactly why I asked you, because I knew you was going to come back. I'm sorry I went on such a diatribe, but it's nah, dude. off the Look, other day. We, we are the we're so rabbit I'm hole central. I'm do a hundred years of prohibition and all the propaganda that came with it. And I also think part of the reason drugs are dangerous is because they are illegal and they're not regulated. And that means they're made in the street and they're cut with all kinds of garbage. But if they mm-hmm. were if they were legal and regulated, then they there was a uniform process. We could educate yeah. people about the proper way to take them and enjoy them and and avoid the dangerous ways of, of, of so like the, an organic. Okay, that's what I was going to. That's what I was going to ask is I hear from people that, OK, well, these are natural and they come from the earth. So you can use these. But these over here are chemically made and those are bad. So, I mean, is is there really truly a difference or well, I mean, just- everything kind of comes from the earth like LSD is chemically made, but it's based off a, a, a mold, a bread mold, ergot, I think it's called. It's like a mold that uh, uh, is on like wheat and barley, uh, you know, cocaine. I would probably I've done cocaine a few times in my life. It's not my favorite drug. I hate putting stuff up my nose. It tastes gross and it's cut with all kinds of garbage. But if someone had a coca plant from Colombia or Peru and they wanted to make me a coca tea hmm. I'd be open hmm. to that because it'd probably just be the same effect as coffee you can over you can overdose on uh, caffeine too caffeine that's, what, that's caffeine's the most pop, popular psychoactive drug worldwide they say 90% of adults worldwide have tea or coffee in their in their life and it is a drug and it is uh, it can kill you is that true Steve I'm still here baby <laughs> <laughs> Steve, Sugar Steve is, I think... I'm a science experiment. The bottle of health. Yeah, his blood has at least 
I mean, the amount of, of, of caffeine. My coffee has a little blood in, in it. Caffeine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nicotine. I'm a, big, I'm a big coffee guy, but I've had insomnia lately. I think I, uh, I love coffee, but I'm trying to dial back my caffeine intake. So you don't smoke. Are you a, like, first thing in the morning must-have coffee person? I'm a first thing in the morning must-have coffee person. But I, I I don't go into the afternoon, but I've been, like, I don't even smoke weed, really, but I've been smoking a lot of weed just to get to sleep. And I've been eating gummies, and and I usually don't mm. do edibles. and But I, I, I don't want to, <laughs> like, have to take – I'd rather smoke weed to get to sleep than – take like Benadryl or like a melatonin, anything like even like that over the counter stuff. I rather like use a natural, like an indica. Oh, ah. good old in the couch. Yes. I've learned that's what in the couch. Yeah. I'm i uh, I'm neurotic. I just can't. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. know. This quarantine's getting to me. I'm turning into Jack Nicholson in the shining. I'm just like staring out the window, watching <laughs> snow collect in the maze. Well, yeah. How di- how did you spend the the last year? Because um, if I recall correctly, every April or every March, you ask me to participate in your birthday. You my were birthday. born in March or April? Like yeah, your yeah, birthday is around this time, birth, yeah. right? And I I know that you're world famous for these these <laughs> wild crazy birthday parties that one these days I'm going to make it to. Like, I, I kind of regret it not growing up in the era of the NWA pool party, but I would imagine that your party rivals whatever I thought was happening at the NWA house. Like, Yeah, I mean, I'm flattered by that. That is high praise. Um, Did you throw one last year? Despite Oh, the one last year got shut down because of COVID. Oh, okay. It was at the Palladium. We had like a full. It was going to be the one. It was going to be the showstopper, and it got really. Shut down. We're talking about doing a new one at um, Meow Wolf. Do you know Meow Wolf? Gesundheit. Meow Wolf. <laughs> Look up Meow Wolf, and you'll. I'm see. afraid to Google this. All right, so <laughs> they're, like artist, they're like an artist collective in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and they they built these crazy big, beautiful installations like this crazy it's oh, like wow. Kiwi's Playhouse but they just opened a new one in um, Las Vegas called Omega Mart and like J- George R.R. R. Martin the guy that created yeah. Game of Thrones uh-huh. he's like an investor in the company now and like so they're I don't know how to describe them they're like just this like art experiment the most successful art experiment like that's been pulled off in the 21st century but anyway, I'm going to throw my next birthday at Meow Wolf, hopefully. What was the wildest thing that's happened at your birthday party? I used party? to live in a chicken shit apartment in Hollywood when I first moved to L.A., like a really small studio apartment. And I used to throw them there, and we would, like, huff ether and get a bunch of camels and zebras and pack them in the park <laughs> and throw firecrackers at everybody and my neighbor would get pissed at us and throw glass bottles and we had like a stripper come by one time and she had a house arrest anklet and like <laughs> uh, i would have like cl- i would hire like a bunch of mall santa clauses and clowns and we'd pack everybody in my little tiny studio apartment and we'd sprawl out into the street in the parking lot and that sounds so COVID nasty yeah. oh yeah it was it was a different time, <laughs> different, time. Wait, different era <laughs> i gotta find i gotta find out 
has any of your pranks or any of your parties or any of your antics ever gotten you wound up in L.A. County Jail? Yeah, San Bernardino County Jail, actually. Uh, I um, pranked the mayor of Rancho Cucamonga, which is a real city out here. And uh, I did a prank at a town hall meeting and I got arrested. And I and the, the, the cop asked me what my name was and I told him it was John Coltrane. And then <laughs> <laughs> and, and that that was another penalty. I didn't know you're not allowed to do you're not allowed to lie to a cop. <laughs> I went to jail. I had a disturbing the peace and uh, whatever telling your telling a cop your name's John Coltrane, whatever that whatever that misdemeanor was. Yo. What are you in there for uh, impersonating John Coltrane? I got, I got a kind of personal joke, but seeing as though you share it with the world, it shouldn't be that personal. Have you ever had any um, penile injuries from any of the things that you've done? Penile injuries? No. I put my hand through a glass window and got stitches. Uh, this year, John Cena threw me through a, a bookshelf and I got a concussion. Uh, your doctor, ooh, oh, but doctor uh, no penile, fake penile injuries. The the Chinese, <laughs> yeah, I love that comes with a hand signal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still debating on whether or not that's going to be the promo clip or not. I appreciate your physical sacrifice. Right. Just, ooh, yeah, when you get old, some things gonna hurt. I was going, I was going to ask you, man, what is your relationship? Your your you can talk about your, both your friendship and your creative kind of partnership with Hannibal Burris because y'all are just well, I've never over. met me you have never quit. met but y'all are just different he's not on <laughs> season five right <laughs> he quit the show yeah he, he oh he did show. yeah he left uh season five I mean he left on camera so he did a proper dismount but uh wow it's over man oh wow Oh, oh man! But y'all wow. not over though. Amicable? No, show, yeah, yeah, amicable. But the, the show's not over. No, you know, we did the show together in a in an abandoned bodega in Brooklyn. That was the first version of the show pre-Adult Swim when I was just making the show on my own dime. Mm-hmm. So he's been with the show since the beginning. And then we took such a big hiatus to make the movie. We took four years off to make between season four and five of the Eric Andre show to make the movie. That coming back, damn y'all did. Take, I damn, think it just the momentum. Long. I don't know. He was just like, uh, I'm done. And I was like, please at least come by the show and quit on camera, so it's a proper. <laughs> I don't want people to think we had a falling out. Um, <laughs> but it's the per. But it was. Uh, he was just great on the show because he's just polar opposite in energy. Chris Rock had the best quote. He goes, "The reason your show works." is because there's no two black guys on earth that have less in common than you and Hannibal Burr. <laughs> <laughs> that is comedy. <laughs> That's funny. That's real. That's so, true. But also, Hannibal kind of like, he seemed like the voice of reason sometimes. So when I was being crazy to the guests on the show, and they would like look to Hannibal for some relief, he's equally crazy. He's just low energy. So they would like look to him for some yes. kind of like, help me and then he would say something just as mind-blowing and you know psychotic and then they'd be like oh shit i'm trapped who will play your sidekick or we had um a few different sidekicks we had a very funny comedian felipe esparza we had oscar nominee lakeith stanfield as um, really oh yeah this past season yep and um we had uh 
uh, we cloned Hannibal one uh, a few of the episodes. We had Blannable, which was his like. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, we, had good, we had a good, we had a good, we did a good revolving door of co-hosts this past season. I, I got to say that um, when I did the show and I had to do something with vomit, I didn't realize. So I guess the. I, I didn't realize that. The, the, so the, a husband and wife team come to me with these assortment of cereals and they ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it was like they they, it, they pushed a cart with all every variety of cereal on it. And they're like, what's your favorite cereal? And I was just like, well, uh, I like Golden Grahams. And they're like, OK, well, that's going to be. I didn't realize that the that vomit that you see. Yeah. The, yeah. The vomit you see on television is basically just uh, soggy cereal. Yeah. Oatmeal, soggy wow. soup. Sometimes we do like pea soup with carrots. Depends on what what I'm in the mood to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the amount of time that you guys uh, dedicate to vomit on that show. A lot of vomit. We got to move. Not to mention the intro. That has to be painful, yo. It's painful. That I get hurt a lot. Mm. Yeah. It's, we figured what? out how to do it the right way. I used to use no crash pads, nothing. I know. Wiping out on cement. <laughs> you would just, yeah, you would just eat it. You would just freaking go for it. And I was like, wait, you, there's really not a stunt double here to appreciate nah, your I, was, I, was, I was dumb. I was dumb. <laughs> All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams. American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip-syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
I, I know that, of course, uh, with with the, the Jackass show and, and also with um, uh, Sasha, that you know these these level prank shows have always been here. But um, I, for one, was just under the impression that like black people really weren't in that level of pranking that you know they're not that's why i had to drag rel into <laughs> into it he was, like, <laughs> he was he fucking hated it he's like dude because he had so much ptsd from that first day yeah, man. but actually tiffany was like born to do it she loved the more dangerous a prank was the more mm-hmm. she was like let's fucking go <laughs> so that's, that's what i'm excited about the movie it's like kind of the first black prank cast right ink yeah i mean there's some there's there's some funny black comedians on punked um but not really like as far as the movie goes not in this level where it's like the leads are like yeah. black leads pranking people it's stressful if i recall um wasn't my man also on your show? What was the old boy um, that did his version of that on BET? Uh, Al Al? Hits. Hits from the street. Yeah, I think Al was Al. in there. Al Hits. I, yeah, Hits. Hits from the street. Was was he not on your show at one point? He was on like, Punk. Who? <laughs> and you answer my question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. That's not a song. <laughs> like a goddamn owl. Yo, that was fantastic. You, you, like, you shot that down. <laughs> he was the only black yeah, dude that yeah, was ever on punk, but yeah. Oh, I, yeah, he's really funny. Yeah. He gra- okay, I'm sorry. Forgive me. He graduated to punk. I knew he graduated to another show. I got it. I there right, he used and, to work a, a, up against the wall on uh, on uh, Georgia Avenue, right by Howard University. Up right. against the wall. Wow, wow. 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 I will say that Method Man and Red Man had a prank show. Oh, they, they did. Yeah, they did. For a hot second. For a hot second. It just lasted was for a second, but it was watchable? really fucking funny. Is underrated. They had the one episode. They had the episode where uh, they pranked Ludacris, where they had him rap over like this shitty beat. But Luda killed the beat though. Like that's what the really? shit was funny. Yeah. yeah, like it was some bullshit. It was like it was some trash beat. And they had, actually had Kevin Lyles on it. They was like, "Yo, this is Kevin, you need to get to the studio, or whatever." So he comes and it's this trash ass beat, and he started rapping. And then they take it up and they're like, "Okay, so Luda, do the same verse, but make like a frog sound." And like he yeah. did the ribbit, and then was he rapping went with it, and he was going with it, and the shit was actually sounding way better than it probably should have. <laughs> Wait, what year? What year was that? Because I'm curious as to what a trash beat means in hip hop. Like early aughts, right, Fonte? Like Versus, yeah, this had to be. Yeah, oh, no. this was like two, oh, two, three, something like that around that time. Back when like, we yeah, still okay. had standards in hip hop. Okay, I get it. Because <laughs> I was about to say, like, <laughs> someone plays me a trash beat now, and I'm like, oh, that's going to be a hit. You know, this shit can work, right? But I'm sure right. it's easier it, to prank black celebrities and black folks because you know you never know what we'll do. We don't know. We don't, like he's the knife thing. It would have been wrong if it was if it wasn't Eric Andre and Rel. That probably that shit would have been. I don't, I don't think I don't think it would have been squash. <laughs> so One day, is there anything that's off the table for you? No, I don't know. You gotta like. <laughs> I think there's <laughs> good bad taste and bad bad taste. It's like you're trying to make things go wrong but in the right way, if that makes any sense. So, But in the world of comedy, even that which is deemed unthinkable or 
undoable sort of gets embraced by someone's dark side, correct? Well, just in terms of things that are taboo in comedy usually get, you know, spoken about like death or things that are tragic or whatnot. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the famous saying comedy is strategy plus time. It's like you're mining for things that are taboo to talk about because that's the high wire act of comedy. You know what I mean? You're looking for the high stakes topic. Uh, or at least I am, and the comedians I I grew up admiring are, um, you know, like Richard Pryor and George Carlin and, and, and Chris Rock and Chappelle. I see. Yeah, was that? Did I answer your question? I think you did. <laughs> Maybe just kicked in. The weed just kicked in. Perfect time. Good job. All Yo, right. dude. All right. So the 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 age of mainstream celebrities having their uh, OnlyFans accounts is you know now popping up normal what, what was your decision behind your only fans i wanted to make money off my feet picks we're in a quarantine <laughs> man i need <laughs> supplemental income sugar steve style <laughs> <laughs> there's a sound bite steve <laughs> well wait okay you're i'm not Going to lie, like you're the only person I know. Uh, just feet that... pits, though. Is it just really? Is it just feet pits? Oh, it's everything. Depends on just... how much you tip. Oh, wait, you've done live <laughs> OnlyFans? Yeah. Oh God. Okay, got, so well, what happens when we come to your OnlyFans? <laughs> Hold on, say it again. Not OnlyFans. Fuck. You know what that is? You got a what? Say, now? say it again. A blumpkin. No, what's? I don't know. What is Look this? Get up, Google image. Doing it right uh, now. Do I want to do that? Am I going to get a virus? Uh, you don't yeah, type do this it. in. You don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. No, don't I don't do want to do it. Don't do it. Oh, don't Can do you it. Oh. definitely don't do it. Don't look up an Alabama hockey mask either. Trust me. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm, I'm, I'm at least gonna look up a bumpkin because right that's not. not don't do it, are you? It'll well, scar I, you for life. You won't I sleep. I want to know what he does on OnlyFans. It costs too much. I need a free. Don't, you don't want to look up a bumpkin or 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 Alabama hockey. All right, fine. Can you explain it in three words? Oh man! Uh, two, just two girls in one, one cup, cup territory again. <laughs> Wait, say it again. Two chick, one cup. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I I literally just said that. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> I was like, is this two chicks in one cup again? <laughs> yep. You know all this oh, stuff, Eric? Boy. Are you a part of some like weird Reddit group? Like, how do you keep up on all this shit? Who? Eric. I mean, once I once I opened the OnlyFans door, there was no looking back. Can one seriously make a a living monetizing off their OnlyFans? Big time. Big time. What do you mean? Hmm. The amount of money I made off like just the kickoff intro, I was like, huh. They basically figured out they're a London company. They're worth $800 million and they're only four years old. Hmm. And they kicked off. They just figured out a way for all like the soft core porn thirst trapping of Instagram. They figured out how to monetize that mm, mm-hmm. in like the simplest way. It's like, hey, check out this sexy thirst trappy kind of picture. You want to see more? Go over to my OnlyFans. And you're like, oh, okay. And it's like, <laughs> and you can give like $3 all the way up to whatever, $1,000 for 
either like a direct message back. It's basically like modern day phone sex. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about it. I'm hearing. I mean, I'm. I'm I remember that. I'm listening. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want some feet pics, you got to tip me three, four (laughs) dollars. Wait, you monetize feet pics. That's have you have you least have you least broken the the five digit. the five-digit or six-digit arena as far as uh, monetizing off of this? You know, Questlove, it's not uh, polite to (laughs) (laughs) their money. We're not all Grammy award-winning virtuoso drummers. My fault, man. You you hit me with the David Letterman, Eddie Murphy. $3, OnlyFans.com slash Eric Andre. There you go. Us are pounding the pavement, the internet pavement. Okay, we can't I, just palling <laughs> around with Jimmy Fallon and all kinds of A-list celebrities. <laughs> Wait a minute. Speaking of which, I wasn't going to ask this, but I do have to ask this. Uh, did it irk you at all with the way that Chance the Rapper was sort of egging you on about your uh, relationship at the time with Rosario? Yeah, what the fuck? I'll tell the you. The whole like, prove this shit. Because you guys did a prom photo, right? You guys Here we did go. A- that motherfucker, I asked him. I love him, by the way. So I'm, I'm talking shit with love. Right. I can't remember. I asked him a couple of things. I DM'd him a couple like, hey, not even like a favor. Just like, hey, stop by. Never would respond once. Right. And then when I was dating Rosario, Rosario was like, Chance doesn't believe that we're dating. He thinks you're doing a prank. So I was like, are you serious? <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's, wait, maybe that's they fair. are doing that's a prank. That's fair. Yeah. I mean. I'm finally getting the movie star from the poster. That I, uh, <laughs> I'm not to. And you don't believe me? I, I tweeted him back. I was like, yeah, look, I mean, this isn't Photoshop. Look, motherfucker, that he didn't he wrote back right away. He's like, no, no, I don't know. I was just saying, oh, uh, 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 uh. and I was like, oh, all of a sudden your phone works. Yeah. I took it very personally. Wait a minute. He's been on your show before. Yeah, he was great on the show. Yeah. And, and I just saw him not too long ago backstage at the Lion King premiere. Uh, I was like, talk. I was talking to him and then I felt a tap on my shoulder and I turned around and it was Beyonce. And I was like, oh, and she was like, hi, nice to meet you. I was like, oh, and then I, like, I turned back to Chance. I was like, fuck, did I just blow it with Beyonce? Was I cool? He's like, no, nah, you were cool. You were cool. Then I turned to my left and I asked this other guy, I go, did I just fuck that up? Am I cool? Was I cool? And the guy was like, no, nah, you were cool. And I, and I looked up, it was Jay-Z. I was like, oh, you just- <laughs> <laughs> oh, so not cool. I was like, yo, and I was like, turn back to Beyonce. I was like, fuck, did I just blow it with Jay-Z? I just I wasn't cool. <laughs> those, so, those two uh, those two are like the modern day walking lottery ticket. Yeah. They're the they're the they're the the king and queen. They're yeah. the royal family. They are. Out they out. are. What was new ro- how, how long did that process family. take? The new royal family. The new royal family. They replaced the old fucking shitty ones. The only ones I recognize. That's right. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> how how long did that process take to do uh with the Lion King, like how did how did you even get involved? Forty five minutes, huh? Really? Yeah, voiceover. I know, but oh, it's vo. Yeah, okay. Voiceover, you go in, you go blah 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 blah, oh, and then oh, you're like, see you in three years. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that about wow. sums it up. <laughs> that's a dream. That's a dream. That sounds awesome. 
okay. Uh, can you talk about your uh, your Blarf project? No. Why? I'm not associated with whoever that is. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Okay. I didn't technically clear any sample. <laughs> whatsoever. So you don't know what I'm talking about when I mean blur. Okay, I get it. I, I know what you're it. talking about, but I also know uh, what violating intellectual property rights. <laughs> property. <laughs> yeah, but to, uh, to the, to when, the when things are under the radar, I doubt you know. No, yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. But you just ask, what do you think about the project, Amir? You just you know you got to yes. What do I think about it? I think um, whoever that person is was very cool. Ah. Very, very cool. And uh, do you recommend how, that how they lib? How do how do any DJ? How do you get away with? Do you just sample and hope that you come and get me? That's that that's the name of the, it's the Wow Wow West. Just yeah, come just and get really? me. So you just hope like I, I'm yeah. his marquee. I hope Gilbert O'Sullivan doesn't huh. sue me. Huh. I and, think uh, I then, think a majority yeah. of the time people yeah. do it sort of thinking that it's going to be under the radar. Yeah, but it's you not. know, like okay, so nah, in the we, case of Dilla, YouTube and fucking you sample who sample, sample. shit isn't nothing's under the radar now. Yeah, like every everybody's a goddamn. Well, snake. even then, you have to look like you know, like if it weren't for, if it weren't for me watching MTV, I would you know I wouldn't have known. My parents would have never known about nothing but a G thing or any of that shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like someone younger, it's always like a nephew or a kid that's like, oh, that's mom and dad or uncle something. But, right, but that, that's what that's also that's what I heard. Like, if you sample a Marvin Gaye song or a Jimi Hendrix song, if you sample somebody whose estate controls the rights to right. the artist, yeah. the artist, then it's extra trouble because it's just the kids and the grandkids looking to make a buck mm-hmm. versus the original artist. So the original artist. I don't yeah. know how. There, know, there, there are creative ways. Me or any any of these producers got away with so much sampling. A lot of it is chopping. I'll, I'll admit that in the in the Dilla in the Jay Dilla um, situation now with the Ten CC estate, um, Ten CC they put that shit in a fucking Netflix special. It was like, what did you expect? What happened? <laughs> well, okay, yeah. So uh, Chappelle used uh, working on it from working Donuts, yeah, uh, as his intro, um, of which you know. None, none of which that's been released from Jay Dilla's estate was ever meant for public consumption. Like he, would just, he would just make beat tapes, but of course, yeah. once he passed away, then these beat tapes became folklore, and next thing you know, they became album releases. And so, I mean, as a result, because he was such a niche cult figure artist, it was just like it, it only became a thing to those that knew of Jay Dilla, but. Um, so wait, 10CC is trying to. So 10CC, uh, actually, well, Godly and Cream, the guys that behind 10CC, um, they sold. I believe they sold a lot of their publishing, like in the uh, the early aughts. So now uh, a new firm owns the publishing rights, and I guess they're kind of on that uh, litigious. Uh, I won't well, say his name. Tough, tough City Records. Uh, it's the public, president guy. It's it's the company. Yeah, so that's what they're doing. Which you know, I I try to actually meddle in. When I thought it was the 10CC guys, I wrote a letter and was just like, "Look, this is a guy who was making art and da 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 da." And you know, you suing him and you know, 
is not going to make solve any of this. And I tried, but they were like, "Oh, we don't own the publisher did that anymore." So I was mm. like, oh, that was a wasted that's, email. That's, that's noble of you that you did that. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 a little overzealous when it comes to Jay Dilla's uh, legacy. So yeah, just trying to make sure I, that you know. I respect you. Yo, so how how have you been? I will, I will probably say that comedians have probably had it the hardest of all the the creatives as far as how they spent their their last year trying to maintain creativity, especially when you don't have no one to work out in front of. Have you figured out how to pivot or how to still maintain your foot in the comedy world? Like, do you just write more movies, more TV yeah, shows? Or? I, I was fortunate enough to like be coming to the end of a bunch of projects. When when oh, okay. started, I had like everything in the can. I was able to edit Eric Andre show from home. I had delivered the stand-up special. The movie was already delivered and ready to go. So I had like a bunch of stuff ready to go in the chamber. Fortunately, I didn't have to like shut down production or shut down a tour. I was at like the end of all these various projects. So I've just been writing and uh, just been doing a ton of writing. I don't know. And trying to like not trying to like embrace this time. I think this time is an exercise in patience and this is kind of like a, a, a reset button yep. for the cosmos. I think we need to just like spiritually hit the pause button, reassess uh, our existence as a... Because we'll never get time like this again in our lifetime. We'll yeah, never get a period yeah. of rest like this. When are we as adults going to be able to get this like little pause button? So I'm trying to look at yeah. the positive aspects of that and just like doing hobbies, cooking more, reading more, catching up on TV shows I wanted to watch. I'm trying to, like, embrace it a little bit. It's not oh, easy. Showing off your sexy feet. Showing off. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what, what do you watch? I, I, would, I would imagine that a person like yourself, in the ways that you express your creativity, that, like, quote-unquote regular shows would seem, like, mundane and boring to you, but... Like what well, do you I, I watch? Anything done well? I I just started catching up on all the serialized dramas. I never. I, I'm watching the Sopranos and The Wire and Game of Thrones. I, I never got around to any of those shows because it was just so much of a commitment. Right. Mm -hmm. Got to so watch I, order and all that shit. Uh, I have two. I have ADD. So now so, I'm trying to. So as a Wire newbie, um, as a Wire newbie, is it anticlimactic? Now that everyone's like fetishized the shit out of this show, no, like the, it, it had a slow start. Like I was like, "What is it?" Just well, season two is weird. We like real wire fans yeah. hate season two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so. I heard season two is controversial, but I just started season two. But once I get to season three of Beyond, also every single show on Earth, whether it's a television show or, or whether it's a comedy or drama, the first two seasons don't really count. It really takes mm -hmm. three to four to find your voice, to find its stride. Even like Seinfeld, even shows that like were these mega mega hits. If you watch the first two seasons of like even The Simpsons, you're like, what the fuck show is? Mm. Oh, not to see yeah, it. No, no, this is a mess. It's yeah, a different worlds like it's that too. Yeah. Well, oh, it was yeah. weird you said that because I thought I thought Cosby hit his his stride in the second season, mm -hmm. and then slowly let the air out. Three no. to four. No, no, no. Yeah, that was the most controversial thing about that guy. 
<laughs> Thank you. That's what a lot of people, when they bring him up, that's what they talk about. This that's the first thing they say. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I meant the Huxtable show. I'm about to say, don't discount the Huxtables now. Don't the Huxtable show. No, but I, I, I will actually say that I, in my heart, I feel like uh, that show jumped the shark by season three. I don't know why. It's just you crazy. They hadn't even done night and day yet. Uh, okay, no. Well, they did. That was season two. Golden Girls kind of fan. What season, Stevie Wonder? Season two. Oh, oh. Damn it on the I'm, one. Damn it on the one, man. Season it is two. I'm telling you. When white Ray kids Charles, learned about Sam, <laughs> Ray Charles is season two. Jamming on the one, season two. Hey, Judah Jameson ain't season two. And Blair yes, it is. I where, like where she came in the house and they started break that see, actually season one. Oh, that's right. I like season three of Cedar's World on uh, BET. <laughs> you, you know what? Cedar's World. <laughs> well, I remember Cedar's World. One, one time I went to Roscoe's and this girl ran up to me. It was like me and Kamal went in there. It's like, oh my God, I love y'all. I love it. Oh, y'all don't know. And then she's like, I'm Sita. And then she went into her voice, and me and Kamal lost it. Like, <laughs> that, that for me, I felt like I made it because. <laughs> Can you explain Sita to Mita? Okay, Sita was like, it was like this animated chicken head that used to be on BT. <laughs> It was the craziest shit. Thank you. (laughs) She hosted a show and like it was the wildest shit. It was called Cedar's World. That was way funnier than me Googling it. That's great. Thank you. Fonte, I'm going to tell you right now. Somewhere in the world is a billion dollar industry check with your name on it. If you can somehow figure how to give like microbyte uh, descriptions to everything that ever existed. No, he's taglines. He's tagline Fonte. <laughs> oh, I will man. keep that in mind. Did you say digital chicken? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's basically what it was. One of the headlines reads, we need an apology for Cedar's world. That's not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah she, it's she a show. Like, now, it probably wouldn't air today. Like, now it would launch a well, million pieces. Well, it would seem pieces, corny, but, but she was like yeah. our Max Headroom. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Like, yep. Gen 1, like, Grand Theft Auto graphics. You know what I mean? Like, when they would, like, mm-hmm. talk like this. Right. But she would host. <laughs> she hosted a show. I like Cedar's world. At least they tried it. You know, BET will try something. They They'll tried. Try. They tried. Yeah, you know. I support I support Cita. <laughs> I'm not mad at them. I support Cita. Well, Mr. Andre, I, I know you've had a, a very long day. God, and, um, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on the show. I thank you for coming on our show. And um, Did you say you it's know. the perfect way to end the day? Is that what you said? Yeah, like it was a nice yeah, wind down because I had to do all these like rapid fire <laughs> interviews and only talk about the movie. It was nice to just like talk to human beings yeah. like human beings. Yeah, man. And I want to say before we go too, man, my girl uh, Golden Shine, um, who does your makeup, she did, uh, we worked together on a show for Comedy Central a couple years back, but she just always has the best things to say about you and like she just loves working on the show and she just, you know, so I just wanted to just, you know, say what's up, man. This is our first time meeting, but she always just speaks very highly of you and just says you're just an A1 dude, man. Oh, man. I'm I'm flattered. Uh, She's my sister from another mister. I love her. Yeah, she's good people. Good people, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, okay. on behalf 
of Sugar Steve and Laia and Unpaid Bill and Fontigolo. Uh, we'd like to thank our guest, Eric Andre, for coming on Quest of Supreme. Thank uh, you. We will see you on the next go-round. All right. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte. Make sure you keep up with us on Instagram at QLS and let us know what you think and who should be next to sit down with us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. All right. Peace. Much Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.